To me, worship is breathing. To me, worship is a lifestyle. Anything we do that says to God, you are God. And worship is what you do when you go out into the community, when you're around your friends. Me wanting to be what he wants me to be. Adoration. Aside from prayer, worship is my high-speed connection to God. Worship is about our heart when we bring it to Him. When I'm truly worshiping, my heart is overcome with thankfulness. I am vulnerable. I'm completely engulfed. I'm completely in tuned to to God. Uh, you just speaking to God with the lyrics, the words, and, and God speaks back to you. I want it to be from me. I want to abandon all modesty and just, just worship my God. God can have a personal experience in worship with everyone in that room. And so it, it's almost like a conversation with God, almost a prayer. When I worship, I want God to be magnified. When I worship, I want God to be pleased. I want God to be front and center. I want God to laugh with me. I want God to be happy. When I worship, I want God to be lifted up. I want there to be a knowing that Crystal came and she brought all of her and she was sincere. I want him to be exalted. I want him to be in the spotlight. I want him to be the focus. I want him to have the rightful place that only he deserves in my life. When I worship, I want God to be my friend. And I want him to know how thankful and grateful I am for all the things that he's done for me. I want him to feel the joy that is in my heart because I'm so grateful to him. Because he sent his son to die for me. We're going to keep our focus this morning on this idea of worship. The first half of the service was literally about singing, but as we learned last week, worship is more than singing songs. How many know worship is an opportunity to experience the presence of God? Let me say it again. Worship is more than just singing a song. It's more than clapping to a song. It's a focus in your heart on who God is and what He's done, and it's an expression of our love to Him. But as we learned last week, worship is a door into the very presence of God, which simply means is that when you worship, God can touch your life. God can change your life. He can lift the heavy burdens. He can bring you peace. Uh, God can settle the turmoil in your life. He can help you find direction. Uh, he can save you if you're away from Him. If you've been far away, He can bring you back. In worship, you can find an ability to forgive someone that's hurt you deeply. In worship, you can find courage to keep going forwards in life when you feel like quitting. In worship, you can have a renewed sense of hope. And all these are depictions that are not just an emotion but they're an opportunity for you to encounter the presence of God. So last week we read a, a scripture in this series called Encounter. We'll do for several weeks. Psalm 95 verse 1. It says, O come and let us sing to the Lord. Notice verse 2. Let us come into His presence. Can you say that with me? Let us come into His presence. And how? With thanksgiving. In other words, when you approach God, the Bible's telling you how. Not just saying, God, give me something, but it's saying, Lord, you're worthy of my praise. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. So we're talking about loud, demonstrative worship. I didn't have that as a child. When the church I grew up in, all very quiet. We sang out of a hymnal. But here the Bible tells us, make joyful noise with songs of praise. 
For the Lord is a great God, now his awesomeness, a great king above all gods, and now the creator. The sea is his, he made it. His hands form the dry ground. And verse 6, a response, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, an expression of worship. Joyful songs, singing, bowing, kneeling, always to worship him and experience his presence. Why don't we stand one last time and they're going to lead one more worship song where you can have an opportunity to let your focus once again be totally on him. Let's sing it. Lift your hands to heaven so you're singing Lord, to him. and the worries and the anxieties and the need to please people and the, all those things that are out there but that we just might have a special morning that we are worshiping you that we're saying things that please you in our worship that we're doing things whether we clap or lift our hands that we are showing you expressions of worship we just welcome you today let the Bible be real show us how it fits in our world and let us move beyond our preferences and our traditions into the middle, Lord, of what you'd have for us. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Yeah. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you're looking good today and you may be seated. Well, I want you to turn your Bibles this morning. Psalm 149. Last Friday was a very special day. Big birthday for my wife. And uh, wife and kids and everybody try to make it special. Now, she gets up in the morning, comes out of her bedroom towards the kitchen, and she has this, uh, uh, what am I going to call it? It's like a pathway to the kitchen. And the, the girls made this. It says, happy 27th birthday. Happy birthday to a pretty lady. Best mom ever. Uh, let's see. Best, uh, happy birthday to the best boss in the world. Bethany worked for mom this summer. I love the birthday girl. We're going down, happy 25th, happy day, happy morning, happy day of your birth, uh, welcome home mom, just got back from India, you're my favorite, I love you mom, you're awesome, and on and on and on, and we've got pictures and we've got smiley faces as we go. That's how she started her day and it just got better than that, Since, uh, and she told me of course, birthday's not just a day, it's not just a week, but this year it's a month, so... 
we're caught. I mean, got her flowers. Friends took her out to lunch. Uh, I even took her to Hot Springs uh, after her birthday for a couple days. But uh, Rebecca gave her something. She said, Dad, I don't want to just buy something. I want to give Mom something. I want to make something. So, you know, she's 11, and she made this little frame. I don't know if you can show it. But uh, anyway, it's got her little picture in a heart, and she put it all together. Well, I mean, that's more priceless than anything you could pick up at the, grocery, at the store. Uh, it's something that your kid makes you. Well, that happened, and when we went to Hot Springs to show the depth of my love for her, we made our annual pilgrimage to the movies, and I let her pick the movie. And it was a chick's flick. Now, I'm telling you, there is no greater love than a guy than show than letting his wife pick the movie or have the remote control. Now, now ask you a serious question where I'm going. Why did we do all those things for her? That's exactly right. We love her. Now, listen, if this is how we express our love to our spouse, people we love and care about, don't you think we need to express our love to God as well? And the way we do it, one way we do it, is in our worship. Now, obviously, Jesus said, if you love me, you do what? You obey my commandments. So, I mean, it's, it's very broad, but a very specific way. When we come together in church on a Sunday morning, we express our love to God through the ways that we worship God, by what we say to God. And this is what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm going to talk about the way we express our love to God according to the Bible. In two broad categories, it's what I say. And it's what I do. What I say, as we'll talk about this, we'll talk about singing and instruments. What I say by singing in the Spirit. What I say by even shouting in times of worship. And then what I do, how I express my love to God, His love language, by clapping my hands, even dancing before the Lord, by lifting my hands, by bowing and kneeling, all what I'm going to call love languages to God. So I want you to explore the Bible with me this morning. It may be new to, to some of you, certainly new to me when I started my Christian journey. It was not the way I worshipped as a child, but I found it to be very, very biblical. Now, have you ever heard of the, of the term love languages? A book was written by Gary Chapman, Five Love Languages, which simply means it's the way that we express to people that we care about. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the person behind the counter at the Easy Mart. I'm talking about your spouse, your kids, people that you know, people you care about. And basically it says that we show people our love in different ways. For example, words of affirmation. Now, how many know our words that we say to people mean a lot? Now, how many can say you actually go fishing for compliments sometimes? Is anybody dare to be honest? You bunch of liars. Most people do. Uh, I, I'm a gardener, and how many know in the, in the heat, it's not a great time to garden? I went out to my garden, though, and there were tomatoes everywhere. Everything else was dead. I got two big bowls of tomatoes, and guess what I did with them? I put them right by where Linnell could see them, right in the kitchen. I mean, you know, because I knew when she came in, she was going to do whatever she would do, and I wanted her to see those two big bowls of tomatoes, and I wanted her to say something because words of affirmation are important to me. Anybody else? Yeah, there you go. See, you almost lied in church, but I gave you a second chance. Words of affirmation. That's a big one to a lot of folks. How about this one? Quality time. If you love me, spend some time with me. And when you're spending time with me, don't be playing on the phone. How about this one? Receiving gifts. And everybody that, that likes that love language, let me see. Both hands, both. Yeah, there you go. Receiving gifts. Now, you may be all pious and say, well, it's my birthday and I'm older, so, you know, you don't need to give me anything. But you know good and well, you're expecting, where's the present? Uh, here's another one, acts of service. In other words, you show your love by what you do for people. 
my wife uh, actually told me this. She said, you know, honey, my, my love language is acts of service. And I piped up and I said, honey, I'm glad because my love language is receiving or enjoying being served. So, so it was a perfect match, a match made in heaven. You ask her, she'll tell you. But the last one is physical touch. And I don't mean sex, but I mean, you know, a caress on the forehead. I mean, you know, an embrace. Uh, now, how many guys that your wife, when she wants a hug, she just kind of comes up and... Okay, let me, let, me, let me clue you in. You may not know what's going on here. That's her love language. And she's not, you know, she just wants you to just... Okay, so you, if you didn't learn anything else today in church, guys, you love that. When she just comes up and does like that, she wants you to just put your arms around her because touch communicates love. I didn't say sex, I said touch. It communicates love. So these are the way that we tell other people through our time with them, through what we say, gifts, service, and touch. All of these are ways that we tell people we love them. Now, just like we did things for Linnell on her birthday, you know, we spent as much money as we could, we went as many places as we could go to tell her, we love you. God has a love language as well. God has a love language of worship, and it's in the Bible. The ways that God enjoys us to express our love to Him. And let me say, it worship in our church, though it was different from my childhood, listen, this is not charismatic we don't worship because it's a charismatic worship we don't worship because it's contemporary the worship patterns you see in this church are biblical and there's a difference how many know our religious traditions the way we worshiped as a child or the way we worshiped last week may or may not be biblical it may be preference it may be tradition and I want you to I want to move you forwards if I can this week in terms of how you say to God you love him and how you show him because the Bible gives us some real real uh, good clues let's start first Psalm 149 by how we express our love to God by saying it in worship saying it through singing through singing in the spirit and, and through shouting Psalm 149 verse 1 praise the Lord and then what does it say Sing to the Lord, and it says specifically, sing to the Lord a new song. And you'll notice oftentimes in church, well, I'll just say, you know, Pastor Nick's not going to have words. Why don't you just tell the Lord you love him right now? Now, that's a little awkward for me at first, but now I really enjoy that, where I can just say, Lord, I just want to just say I love you and thank you for loving me and for caring for me and for taking care of me. And, and I just want to just tell you, Lord, you're amazing. It's something when it comes from your own heart. That's very special to God. Sing his praise in the assembly of the saints. And notice this, let him praise his name with... You didn't say that very loud. We'll talk about that. Let him make music to him with the tambourine and the harp. You know, every church in the world worships God with singing. Think about it. Every place I've been in the world, whether it's Mexico, Haiti, wherever, they are worshiping God with singing. Now, the style is different. The beat is different, the music is different, the volume may be different, but they're worshiping God with singing. It is the most accepted universal love language where people express their love to God is singing. See, it's praising, but singing not just with words, but singing with musical instruments. How many were a part of a church heritage that they sang wonderfully, but they didn't have instruments? Yeah, sure. It's, it's out there in the Christian world. Let me help you understand that just a little bit. We, 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 we do what we do because in our worship because of our understanding of the Bible, because our interpretation of the Bible. For example, maybe you were brought up in a tradition that said uh, uh, the supernatural things were relegated to the apostles. In other words, God doesn't heal the sick today. He did back then, but he doesn't today. Uh, there's no such thing as a gift of prophecy today. He did it back then, but not today. That's based on an assumption 
dispensationalism that when the apostles died, the supernatural died and it's no more. Problem is, it's not biblical, but the assumption became a tradition and a way of understanding or interpreting the Bible. Similarly, when it comes to worship, listen, for example, the tradition that you're thinking about, that I'm thinking about, doesn't use instruments because the New Testament doesn't mention instruments. And the heart's a very wonderful heart that is you want to be pleasing to God and do what he says. But just because God doesn't mention something in the New Testament doesn't mean it's not the thing to do. I'd suggest to you a better assumption, hermeneutic interpretation is that unless the New Testament changes something that God enjoyed in the Old Testament, that maybe we should keep doing it. Now think about it. If God enjoyed something in the Old Testament and he didn't tell you to stop, why would you stop? When you get in your car, don't you like the little turnaround on state line now where you can go up from the church if you want to go that way? You don't even have to go through the stoplight. You can just go zoom and not even stopping. Well, guess what? It's a quick thing, and it's there, and it's working in our lives now. Well, guess what? Something new has come in, and God gives us the opportunity to be a worshiper of him and express it not just with song but with, 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 with singing and with instruments and making a joyful noise. You know every person, listen, Every person in the world is captured by music. I don't care if it's a drum that beats in Africa. I don't care if it's a harmonica or what it is. Music does something to people. Music engages people. And God anoints worship in music. Remember King David in the Old Testament when Saul was tormented by demons? Guess what happened? When he was tormented by these demons, he would call for David, and David would play his instruments, and that demonic presence would leave. Well, isn't it possible that it's just as, as worship can invite God's presence and drive away evil that if you're playing the wrong music and the wrong place that it can draw evil in your life? Well, sure it does. I mean, well, listen, you can put on a song right now. You can be have godly and holy as you're trying to be, you know, for, for an hour, days, weeks, or months. But if I played some song with some lusty theme that you used to listen to in your olden days, just like that, lust is awakened in your heart. See, music has an ability to bring something in people's lives. God created all these different sounds. God created rhythm. God created the dynamics of music, and it is a language God enjoys. And see, we don't sing just because it's tradition. We sing because it's a love language to God. Come on, give him a good hand this morning. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 14. Another type of singing, it's called singing in the spirit. Now, I don't have a lot of time with this, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Now, Paul is teaching in this chapter about two spiritual gifts, the gift of prophecy and then the ability to speak in tongues or to speak in a language that you didn't learn naturally that supernaturally came from God, just like happened in the book of Acts and throughout the book of Acts. Well, basically what he's saying, though, is he's saying in church, worship is not about me, it's about us. Let me say it again. Worship in church is not just about me, it's about us. Now look at verse 12. Since you're eager to have the special abilities of the Spirit gives, or gifts of the Spirit, seek those that strengthen the whole church. Now verse 15 is a wonderful affirmation. I will sing in the Spirit. Now if you're familiar with this, if you practice this, you know how wonderful it is to be able to worship God in a heavenly language that God gave you that you didn't learn. If you're uncomfortable with that or never heard about it, you ought to read 1 Corinthians 14. Read the book of Acts and see that God can give people a unique ability to pray not just from their mind, but from their spirit. And here it teaches us that this singing is a way that God enjoys. 
I will do it. You know, I sing in the spirit or I sing in tongues as it would be interpreted uh, in virtually every worship service, but you don't know it. Some of my most meaningful times with God are when I'm singing in the spirit, but I don't do it to draw attention to myself. I don't do it over the microphone. I don't do it so loud because it would cause the same confusion that it did in 1 Corinthians 14. And it's a principle here that it's some a wonderful way that God enjoys you to worship him in, in your spirit. But he also says, I'll sing in words I understand. Because verse 16, the edification of people are number one. How can they join in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? So let me just kind of encourage you as a matter of practice. In our church, there is a lot of freedom to express yourself in worship. But yet, let me know, it's not unlimited freedom. And it shouldn't be unlimited freedom. Because worship is not just about me, it's about us. When my wife and I pastored in Palestine just a number of years ago, I remember this guy came to church. He was just this, you know, kind of, he was kind of a dignified-looking guy. He was a, you know, I mean, he was a sharp guy, and he was experienced, and he had, you know, done a lot of things. And it was a brand-new church, and these people there were, boy, a lot of people that just need a lot of help. And we thought, well, he's going to be here to help. And uh, it, it, when the worship just began to get intense, and you just sense the presence of the Lord, he'd just get up and start running around the building and hollering. He was having a glory time with God. But the problem is, everyone else in the building was going. Now, if everybody wanted to do that, praise the Lord. But when he was doing it by himself, it drew attention to himself. And can I tell you, anything in worship that draws attention to you, where people can't concentrate on God because you're so loud or because of what you're doing, you're so quiet with me right now. So let me talk out of both sides of my mouth. Expressions are good, but, but it's not just about you. It's about us as well. And we do our best to make both work. Uh, let me see if you can get a little more expressive with me today. How about the third one, shouting? So don't forget, Paul said, sing in the spirit, but recognize boundaries. Psalm 100 verse 1, shouting. Shout with joy to the Lord. Can you say that with me? Shout with joy. Now, did you know that that is in the Bible? It is biblical. You see on the screen where it says on the bottom there, Psalm 100, 1 through 2, NLT, that's a New Living Translation. That means it's in the Bible. So, so the Bible says there are appropriate times for you to just uh, hoop and holler for Jesus. And God enjoys it. Remember, now we're talking about love languages. We're not talking about what they did in your grandmother's church or what you prefer. We're talking about love languages. We're talking about your spouse coming up and just, you know, hug me. We're talking about expressing your love to God. This one has to do with victory and joy. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I was not raised in a church where we were expressive. And the first time I was around this, I thought, well, gee, is this just a, a show? Is this, this is a carnival? How can this be, you know? But my problem was, is I was bound by my tradition and not bound by the Bible, what it taught me. And I want to tell you, friends, there are times if there has been victory in your life, if God has done something big in you, or you just are understanding of the greatness of God and his love for you, it is entirely appropriate to let it get a little louder. Now you're as quiet as a bunch of Episcopalians in church this morning. I'm telling you, the Bible says God enjoys. How many know if the Bible tells us to do it, then it must be not only okay, but it must be preferable? The same Bible that says thou shalt not kill says shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. 
The same Bible that says, husbands, love your wife as Christ, uh, uh, Christ loved the church, says, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of praise. And I'm telling you, the greatest motivator, I believe, in a person's life is the power of their past religious tradition. Because it defines to us what's right and what's wrong. And I'm telling you, I am honored, a thrill for my heritage in a small country Methodist church that gave me the Bible and Jesus. But I'm telling you, it, it was capped when it came to the expressions of worship. Listen, the only time in that little church when someone would raise their voice or wave their hands was when a wasp was flying through. I'm telling you the truth. And something is missing because, and, and, and listen, don't tell me that it's not my personality. Do you know that your personality can be modified? Should I go a little further with this? Listen, when you're trying to find something, let's just say, okay, ladies, there's this guy, and you want to impress him. You're single now, okay, not married. But you are single, and, and your husband, this guy you thought was going to be your husband. Now, listen, would you just not fix yourself up a little bit nicer? Would you not make sure that you caught his attention? Would you not make sure that you would say things and do things that made this man know that he, you were the one for him? Why did you? Because you loved him, and you wanted him to love you back. So you wanted to behave in ways that would please him. Can I tell you? The Bible says what you say in worship expresses your love to God. And you say it with singing. Come on. You say it with singing in the spirit. You say it with shouting. Come on, give him a shout of praise this morning. It's, it, 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 it's in the Bible. Now, let's, let's move a little bit further. We express our love to God by showing it in worship as well. Psalm 47, 1, showing it in worship, clapping, dancing, kneeling, bowing, lifting our hands, all containers to express your love to God. All those papers on the floor, the cards that we gave Linnell, taking her on a trip, all these things was a container that collectively said, I love you. Well, the Bible says there's ways to say it and ways to show it that are pleasing to God. And as you worship God in ways that please Him, listen, His presence comes to dwell among His people. Let's look at this first one. It's clapping. Psalm 47, 1. Come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with what? Joyful praise. Clap your hands. Clapping expresses joy and victory. Now, I guarantee you yesterday, when Governor Perry made his announcement in North Carolina that he was running for president, the people in that room clapped their hands. See, you wanted to clap your hands right now because you like him. Some people would say, oh, don't worry, bad. They liked him, so they clapped. Well, guess what? Listen, our president makes speeches. People that like him, they clap. When a dignitary, if a dignitary were to come in the room, someone that all of us honored in our society, what would we do if they're walking in the room right now? I'll tell you what you do. You'd get on your feet and you'd give them a standing ovation. If you go to a play and it's a superb play, and I mean it's just, it's just kind of off the chart there and everything is good and the actors did great and they come on stage and they're holding hands, they're bowing, what do people do? They stand to their feet. More, more, more. And they come out and they do an encore. See, that's what we're talking about. That is appropriate in worship. And I'm telling you, it was the hardest thing for me to get over in that little Assembly of God church in Adak, Alaska, because I was raised a certain way with a certain tradition that said what we do and what we don't do in church. But I'm telling you, you can miss it. See, you're not, you don't just worship God with your mind. He may know your body, soul, and spirit. You worship Him in spirit and in truth, but there are containers of joy through your emotions. There are expressions through your body to give your praise to God. Let, let me kind of illustrate it this way. How many, uh, how many uh, uh, love football? 
thrilled that the football strike is over. All right, how many Cowboy fans we got in here? I didn't ask you to shout. I didn't ask you to make any noise. Now, I asked you to shout for Jesus, and you went, what church did I go to this morning? Who's the biggest Dallas Cowboys fan? Stand to your feet real quick. Biggest Dallas Cowboy fan. Let me stand to your feet right quick. Oh, well, just keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. No, no, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm going to embarrass you now. You've got to stand up because you stood a minute ago. All right, now, okay, all right, here's the deal. Okay, who's the first game with? What kind of fans are y'all? I even know this. It's Jets. Okay, we're playing the Jets. Okay, the, the Cowboys are down, okay? Fourth quarter, five seconds to go. They're on, their, they're on the visitor's 30-yard line, 70 yards to go, and Romo gets the ball, okay? Who, who's, the, who's, the, who's their best wide receiver? Huh? Austin. Okay, so Austin gets there and he talks trash, you know, to the guy in front of him and he takes off running down the field and he fakes like he's going to the sideline, but all of a sudden he's going to the goalpost. And then the guy trips a little bit and you see him. What do you do when you see Austin ahead of, that run, uh, uh, of the defender? What do you do? You do more than that. Come on. I mean, you're throwing your popcorn bowl up in the air. You know, you're doing a little dance right with him. Do you do the dance? How do you do it? Now, wait a minute. Has Tony Romo ever even given you a t-shirt? Has he given you? How much money does he make, you know? Lots, though. Has he given you a penny? No. Nothing. So he's not giving you a t-shirt, not a nickel, and when he makes a touchdown, you do like that. <laughs> Jesus hadn't done very much for you, has he? He's only offered you the gift of eternal life. He, he has only, listen, when you're facing the coffin, giving you a hope that no one else can give, that you're going to rise yet again. Come on. This body that's turned back to dust. He's only said they're going to live after they die. He hasn't done much for you. You can be seated. Listen, he's only said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always be with you. And I'm telling you, I had surgery three weeks ago, and I was looking for that prayer to be true when they were wheeling me away. And I said goodbye to my wife. Nobody else could tell me that. I'm telling you, he is worthy of our praise. And because he's worthy, he wants us to say it with words, with singing, with shouting, with joy. But he also wants us to show it with clapping and with dancing. See, it's in the Bible. See, look a little bit further. Let me just underscore that on the dancing. Psalm, uh, I think it's Psalm, mm, Psalm 150. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Do you realize, Dan, and I'm not talking about, you know, what you used to do in the club. I'm not talking about seductive dancing and rubbing up on somebody and all that. I'm talking about a little holy hop, come on, come on, that is not for anybody else. It's not to show off. It's not to wiggle. It is to worship God. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing, with strings and flutes and cymbals and everything. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Now listen, I'm telling you, the Bible says right there, praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Now before I talk about dancing, let me, let me say something that's very, very personal to me. I used to play the tambourine in church. It's 
been a number of years, but my tambourine disappeared. It was a big tambourine. That was in the day. It had a streamers on it. It had my name on it. And one day my tambourine was gone, and I just kind of went past it. We used to have leaks in our roof a lot, and the tiles would often be missing. When we replaced our ceiling a couple years ago, guess where my tambourine was? This is a true story. I am concerned that somebody's going to burn in hell because of what they did to my tambourine. And you know, I'm just kidding. Problem is, I don't have rhythm. When God was giving it out, he did not give any to me. And we had a drummer that could keep the rhythm, but I would mess them up. And nobody, I guess, felt like they could tell the preacher what to do. So somebody finally threw my tambourine up in the ceiling. Now, remember when I told you worship is, worship, you probably know who it is. And, and, do they still go to church here? You're turning red back there. All right, well, anyway. If worship was about me, I'd get another one. But I took the hint. Worship is about us. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 6, back to the dancing. They're bringing the ark of God's presence back into town. And guess what the Bible says David is doing? He danced with all his might to honor the Lord. So here you got this king. He takes his jacket off. They're bringing this ark of the covenant. You remember Indiana Jones and the little holy Bible? Well, that was real, in, not in Indiana, but real in the Bible. They're bringing it back to town. The presence of God surrounds this holy box. And David is dancing. He's spinning around before God as an act of worship. See, because it's a love language, God enjoys. And it's not because you have rhythm and style and you should be on Dancing with the Stars. It's because you are expressing love to God. Now, guess what happened? And you need to hear me on this. His wife, Michael, was in the house in the second story. And she said, how dare you do this undignified thing with the slave girls watching you? And David looked at her and said, I'm going to be more undignified than this. I'm going to be a worshiper. And guess what happened to her? She was barren and never brought a child. So here's my, here's, my, here's my caution to you. Don't look over at somebody that you may think is a bit weird or awkward or whatever they're doing in their worship. And out of the genuineness in their heart, they're worshiping God and they're not distracting you and they're not drawing attention to themselves. But in the purity of their heart, they're trying to worship God. Don't you dare judge them. Don't you dare judge them because, listen, God might smite you because of that. Because he enjoys the simplicity of worship. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. It's not the most qualified to get God's attention. It's the ones with the greatest heart. And David was a man after God's own heart. Now, let me wrap this up. Another way we show our love to God is our posture. Uh, are kneeling, bowing, falling prostrate. Psalm 95, verse 2. Oh, come, let us worship and do what? Say it again. Let us worship and bow down. They forgot me on the scriptures. 95, verse 6 there. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, let me ask you a question. When Jesus was just a child and the wise men came to him, he's an infant. And they're coming to him. What do they do? These men with great stature, great dignity, great wealth. And when they see this baby Jesus, what do they do? The Bible says they fell down before him and they brought their gifts. Now, let me ask you this question. 
if these dignified wise men could fall down to honor God, don't you think I could do the same thing for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? They honored a baby. I can certainly bow before God. See, and I'm convinced the reason we don't, we don't show our worship is because we're too self-conscious. Let's get real, not funny a minute. We're too self-conscious. We care too much about what other people have to say. When I worship, I'm not worshiping for you. I'm worshiping coming for an audience of one. And you realize self-consciousness is a form of pride? It may not be arrogance, but it's a cousin friend on the same hand because I care too much about me and I withhold from him, come on, the hug that he's desiring for me because there's appropriate times when all I can do is just get on my knees. Listen, even at your chair, you could kneel any time and worship. And let me say this, we stand for the same reason we stand if a dignitary came in the room and worship. But if you ever get tired and want to sit down, please don't feel like you're less than or anything like that. If you're tired, sit down. But we express honor to God through our worship, through our standing, kneeling, and bowing. Let me close with this one. Psalm uh, 134, lifting our hands. It says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and do what? Praise the Lord. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Now, I'll tell you. I remember the first time I lifted my hands in church, in that little Assembly of God church. It was like I had weights on my hand. You, you ever jog with weights on your hand, you know, or, or run with them? It's like, it's just harder to do. I don't know why, but in church, when everybody else was doing that, I just felt like... <laughs> but can I tell you now, it is the most natural thing. Because it is a language that says, I surrender my life to you. I honor you. I worship you. And here's a big one. I need you and I want you because it's in Christ I live and move and have my being. Grandparents, parents, don't you think when your child, I don't know, four or five years old and, and you come in the house and your kids may be in the living room and as you're coming in the door, daddy, 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 and their hands are up in the air, hold me, hold me, hold me. Is there anything in the world better than that? How do you think your heavenly father feels? When his kids, come on, say, Daddy, come on, Daddy, hold me. I need you. I love you. Come on, he is worthy of our praise, isn't he? He is worthy of our praise. I want to close with this. Last scripture. Jesus made an incredible statement to the disciples. Jesus Christ said this, Where two or three are gathered in my name, what does it say? See on the bottom there, Matthew 18, 20, ESV, English Standard Version. That's the one I'm using right now. I change translations periodically. But Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. Now, 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 this is hard for me to get around. There's more than two or three of us here this morning. But is this true? Is this verse true? Is Jesus here? I, I didn't physically see him with my eyes. But there's some faith involved in this thing. Somehow by the Holy Spirit, Christ was here. Now, because of that, here's my question. What will I say to him? And what will I do in his presence? I'm going to close with this story. True story. Pastor Robert Marsh tells it of a worship leader in New Zealand. A short girl. Let's imagine she's, say, 4'4". Say four, four. She's short. And she was enamored in New, England, in New Zealand. She was enamored with the Queen of England. So the Queen of England was coming to New Zealand, and she wanted to see the Queen. I mean, she wanted to kind of get a, a first-hand look at this lady, and uh, she was just caught up with her her whole life. So 
she knows where the track of where the you know the queen's procession is supposed to come she's too short there's people in the crowd so she crawls up on top of this dumpster now mind you now this little four foot two four foot four girl crawls up on top of this dumpster and the queen is coming first of all you know it because you see those you know british the soldiers the guards and they're walking and they've got their hats and their guns and and and, and then they've got this this car and the queen is in it and she's waving at everybody and this little girl said when i saw the queen i started jumping up and down and i started going hey 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 and i started whistling and i started waving at her and i said hey she said, nobody looked at me. She said, nobody asked me why I was doing it. No, I didn't get anybody's attention because they weren't looking at me. They were looking at the queen. Now, any other day of the week, any other time of the day, if she'd have been on that dumpster, she'd have been weird. But because the queen was there, she said what she's supposed to say. Come on. And she did what she was supposed to do. And it was perfectly normal because she was responding to the Queen of England. Now, here's my question to you. If she responded that way to the Queen of England, how will you and I respond to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords when we're gathered in His name? Come on. Am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say with my singing that I honor Him, I love Him, I'm grateful? Am I going to sing in the Spirit? Am I even going to shout at the appropriate times? And what will I do in the presence of the King? Will I clap my hands before him? Might I even let my feet move a little bit with joy? Might I kneel or bow before my king? Might I lift up holy hands? Come on, without wrath and doubting, because he is worthy of all of my praise. Come on, give him a big hand this morning. The Lord Jesus is indeed worthy. Come on, stand to your feet and let's give him a hand. He is worthy of our praise today. Come on, give him a big hand today as we close. Jesus is worthy. Let's just worship with this song together. Express your love to him today. Just lift up your hands in his name. Honor him and to thank him, to glorify ahead. I want to say things that make you smile. I, I want to do things when I worship you, whether I'm at church or on my own. I, I, want to, I want to act in such a way that I'm speaking your love language. 
and I want to pray that my love for you would grow. Would you just pray this right now? Say, Lord, let my love for you grow deeper. I don't want to be just a Sunday church Christian. I don't want to just call on you in trouble. I, I want to be real. I just pray that right now. Say, Lord, I want to be real. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to play church. I want to go after the 100%. But I sure need you to help me because the world tugs on me sometimes. Sometimes I'm too self-conscious. There's a lot of reasons why, but I... I'm just expressing my heart today that I want to love you more. So we just simply say, Holy Spirit, welcome in this place. Welcome. Be welcome in our cars when we leave. Be welcome in our homes. Be welcome in our workplace. Be welcome in our friendship circles. In Jesus' name. Hey, here's how we're going to close today. They're going to just continue singing a worship song. We're going to have an opportunity for prayer. If you want prayer, I ask you to stay at least for singing through one time. And after that, you want to go, you're welcome to leave. If you want to stay just a lot longer, they'll play a couple more songs where you can worship. But I'm going to give you an opportunity now to receive prayer because here's what I know. Many of you came to church with some problems, some burdens, some needs. And it's kind of been forgotten for the last hour and 15 minutes. But you're going to go back out there and they're still going to be there. Might be a conflict in a relationship. Might be a financial pressure. Who knows what it may be. But something may be in your world and you need somebody to pray because you're, you're needing God to change you. You're needing God to get involved. You're needing God to show you what to do. And I say, friends, powerful things happen when you pray. We have a prayer team that has been praying all day just for the opportunity to pray with you. Won't embarrass you, but we'll stand with you to see God do some things in your life in just a moment you come. But maybe you're here today too and the prayer that you need is you need to commit your life to Christ. Because you've been in this worship service this last hour you realize something is missing in your spiritual life. God has almost been to you like on the shelf and you, you kind of take him off when you need him and when you're done you put him back up there and I tell you friends that's not what it means to be a Christian the starting place for a Christian is when you humble yourself before God you ask forgiveness and you turn to follow him I'm telling you at that point of invitation Christ will change your life maybe you're here today and you need to get right with God maybe you used to walk with God but you got off track today somebody can help you take you to the cross and pray with you and give you some things that's going to help you but right now, we're just going to begin to sing. So our prayer team is coming right now for prayer. Why don't you come to the altar? And if you're here and you need prayer this morning, you want someone to pray with you about anything, you come. If you need to get right with God this morning, you come. And the rest of us are going to worship. For song is God bless you. Come, let us pray for you. Don't miss this moment. God's here.